Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share adventure stories from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host today as we get to talk with Matisse Blech. Originally from France, Matisse has traveled quite a bit around the world, uh, mainly for university. He has done some time studying in Wales and is now in the north northwestern part of Iceland in the West Fjord region, studying in Isabela. Matisse has so many stories. He is just a genuinely fun guy to talk to, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. We talk a lot about surfing and travel and living in Iceland, and you're just going to love uh, all the stories that he shares. Before we get into our conversation, though, I would like to bring you your travel trivia. Did you know that the unofficial capital of the Westfjords region is called Isafjörður? Now, the name Isafjörður actually means the Fjord of Ice, but the town is located in a fjord called Skutulsfjörður. The first woman to use her right to vote in Iceland actually voted in Isafjörður in 1884. The town was granted municipal status in the year 1786, so it's a little bit old. Also, I found this super interesting. Witch trials were very common in the West Fjords in the 16th century, and the people who were banished from Isafjörður were sent to Hornstander, which is a very remote region even today across the fjord from Isafjörður. Needless to say, Isafjörður has incredible history, and even to this day, it's just such a vibrant city located in a very remote part of Iceland. And now, let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Matisse. Matisse, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on, and we are going to talk about some incredible topics today. I mean, we are so full of stories and adventures, and yeah, it's going to be great. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start. Um, go ahead and tell me uh, who you are and where you're from, and just a little bit about yourself. Uh, so my name is Mathis Blash. I'm French, as you can guess, with the accent. And uh, I come from the from the around Grenoble, which is in the French Alps, uh, so southeast, for the ones that are not familiar. And uh, yeah, I grew up pretty much there for my entire life, being landlocked and around the mountain. And uh, yeah, I started studying here, uh, doing applied physics for a couple of years, and then decided to move to Wales to for an exchange uh, year uh, in Swansea, where I did uh, something totally different. I did geography, because why not? And then uh, came back in France, and we're like, oh, I like doing geography, but I want to do something about science with it. So I went to geology, and then uh, I did one year of master's in glassology, because why not? I mean, like, <laughs> I was just, I don't know, I was just lost. And so that was last year, and yeah, and then I, I, I went crazy again, and left France to come here in Iceland to do another master. So here I am. Man, that's, that's a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, like I was just, I'm just lost. Like that's a problem in, in France. It's like if you, so after you, you leave high school, you, either you go to university or either you start working, but you can't really like take a break and then go back to uni. It's, it's not that you can't do it, but no one does it. And if you do it, you... People think you're lazy or this kind of stuff, and it's not really well seen. And actually, I didn't knew 
that in other countries, I, I have a really good friend from uh, Australia, and there it's really common after high school to take one, two, three, four years. You work, you, you, you travel, and then when you know what you want to do, you go to university. And I think it's way more healthy than just being thrown there. Because after high school, I was like, oh, I like physics, but what do I want to do? Like, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be a physicist or what. So, so it's, yeah, I think it's healthier the way Australians yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's very important because, I mean, America is the same way. Um, how, we, how we do it is you go to high school, you graduate high school, and the next year you go into university. And a lot of kids spend their first year trying to figure out what they're wanting to do while paying thousands of dollars for university classes. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think taking that those gap years, um, I mean, what's the rush, you know? Like, figure out what you want to do and, and then go back and get trained in it. Yeah, I think it's really important. And, yeah, somehow I would like to advocate this, that in France because I think if, if it was more common, people would not, like, spend, like, yeah, a couple of years doing study that they don't want to do at the end or need. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sad that I did phys- physics, though. It was really really cool I'm just i just turned around like the subject and i still don't know what to do so maybe next yeah. time i'm gonna do another master i don't know <laughs> so lost. i hope not honestly i'm i'm done with university but... yeah i was gonna say there comes a point when you're like okay no more studying <laughs> yeah i'm pretty done right now yeah so uh you you were born and raised in france tell me yeah. a little bit about the part of france that you're from is it a lot of city is a lot of uh nature I know you're from the French Alp, Alps yeah. area. Yeah, so I actually, I said the French Alps because it's easier for, for you to picture, but I'm just just at the at the limit of the Alps. So I grew up in, the, in that house, which is facing the first mountain range, range of the Alps. So it's like, you can picture a big valley with a lot of fields and it's, it's pretty, it's not, it's pretty populated, but it's not like big cities everywhere. It's just like, yeah, countryside and and a lot of fields. And then you have the beginning of the Alps and the first mountain, so it's pretty cool. It's called La Drôme. And yeah, I reckon you should go there if you one day in France. It's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that sounds beautiful. And so then you went to university and it kind of kind of works into why you're here in Iceland now. Um, go ahead and tell your surfing journey because now you've gotten into surfing. Uh, tell how that started and how that landed you where you're at. Yeah, so... Well, actually, yeah, that's that's funny to think that surfing is maybe the reason why I'm here, even though I'm not here to surf. It's just I, so I, I told you I went to university in Wales, in Swansea, and here uh, I started surfing. I don't remember why. Ah, oh, yeah, no, I remember why. Uh, I'm so afraid of deep water. Like, if I don't see, like, where I am in the water, I'm just super afraid. And, like, swimming in the lake or swimming in the ocean, I'm just, and I don't like that fear. So like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to go surfing. And also surfing looks pretty cool. So we're like, yeah, let's get in the ocean. Turns out that if I got a wetsuit and boots and gloves, I'm just like, it doesn't, for me, it's okay. But if I'm still like, it's just, I don't know, like the contact of being like just your, your skin. I don't know. I don't like that. But if I got a wetsuit, being I'm cool. Being vulnerable. So, yeah. yeah. So, so with a wetsuit, I feel strong. I'm like, yeah, oh, fuck it. Let's go in the water. So it didn't really work out to fight my fear. But I get into surfing somehow. And so there was the yeah the surf society in Swansea and uh, with the university. And we did uh, I, yeah five, six, seven lessons, surfing lessons with them. And Swansea and, uh, is in Wales, right? Yeah, in, in the south, south of Wales. It's really cool. I reckon you should go there too. It's so pretty. There's a, a place called the Gower. 
and it's uh, one of the most beautiful uh, coastline I ever seen. Honestly, it's cliffs just right into the ocean, like green cliffs right into the ocean. It's ah, oh, it's wonderful. So yeah, so this is why I started surfing, and then we did uh, well surfing. I was surfing whitewash and on the like really large Costco foamy board. <laughs> I was not really surfing, but I get into the a group of surfers there, and we we went to do a surf trip in uh, Fuerteventura in the Canary Island. And yeah, here I couldn't surf anything. It was way too big for me. It was during winter, like the wave was too big. But just driving around the island and like chasing the the waves and the whole atmosphere really hooked me. And I was like, shit, I want to do that so much. Uh, after after that, I came back to France for two years, and I was just I was missing it so much. Uh, I went to do windsurfing though, and I, I met uh, like really cool people doing that too. But the sports is not the same for me, and I was like, oh, I just want to go and surf again. So when I went crazy last year, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that master anymore, I started looking. I wanted to stay in Europe, so I looked at uh, I looked at the French coast, basically, oh, no, the European coast, and I started in Portugal, looking at all the big cities and all the university I could go to do a, a master. I didn't really knew what kind of master I wanted to do, but I was just looking for something that would be, oh, wow, that's what I want to do. So I started in Portugal, I found nothing, uh, a little bit of Spain, nothing, France, nothing. The UK was way too expensive, I couldn't afford it. And yeah, went all the way up to Norway like this. And even in Tromso, I was like, oh, maybe, I mean, it's cold, but maybe I could do something. And no, like I just didn't find anything uh, like that was interesting. And I don't want it to, to move just to go surfing because actually it was a little bit silly. And then I remembered, oh, but wait, there's also Iceland, it's like all the way up there. And so I checked in Reykjavik, actually nothing. And I don't know how I, I found that university in Isafjordur, which is part of Akure University. But I found that really small university center with a master in coastal and marine management, which was, I don't know exactly what I wanted to do, a little bit of science, a little bit of social science, management, communication, everything. I was like, wow, okay, let's go there and get in contact with some people surfing here. And I, I learned that you could actually get some wave here. I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so that's why I'm here, actually. And there you ended up in a town with like 2,700 people, some odd in the yeah. tiny west fjords of Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's tiny, but it's, two th uh, it's one third of the Icelandic coastline. So yeah, it's pretty good when you think about it. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. yeah. That's a really fun fact. Like when you look at the map, the west fjord is like that tiny little bit at the top. But if you if you take the, the coastline is so, um, how do you call it? Uh, With the fjords, it's like yeah. folded in on each other. Yeah. yeah, so if you just take that, that coastline and just stretch it up, it's like one third of the of the Icelandic coastline. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that actually, but it totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool when you drive because you just drive through like five or six fjords and you could just like swim like, or take a boat and it would be like 30 kilometers. But actually you take the car and it takes two hours and 100 kilometers to, to cross it and you're like, fuck man, I just, I just want to be down. <laughs> Yeah, it's insane because you can drive and it takes like five hours and then you can fly in a small airplane going the same speed and it would be like an hour and a half or something to yeah, get up there from Reykjavik insane. to Isavir. Yeah. 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 And when you take the car, you really feel like you're isolated. I think that's how you feel. Like you just drive for like three, four hours and you just cross one small town. You're like, wow, where am I going? The first time I arrived, I actually arrived with my car. I took the ferry from Denmark. 
So I arrived with a car, I arrived in the east coast of Iceland, and I had to drive all the way here. And man, what a long drive. I was like, where am I going? Like the first time I arrived, it was like seven hours drive from Akuri. It was, oh, I was getting, it was incredible. Like, okay, I'm going to live here for one year. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> I loved it though. Yeah, what were your impressions as you drove around that fjord and saw it? Well, um, so there was two impressions. The first one was, so for those who don't know it's a fjord, it's like, it's in a fjord, but it's part of a bigger fjord system where there's like five or six fjords in a row. And when you arrive with the road, there's like five fjords to go before you arrive in this fjord. And when you arrive there, you're like, you could see the fjord from here, but there's still like, yeah, 150 <laughs> kilometers, something like that. So at that point, when you drove five hours, you're like, okay, like, I just want this to be done. And then when you arrive around the last corner and you see the town, you're like, wow, like, I don't, I don't remember what was, honestly, I don't remember what, what was my first feeling, but I think it was just, oh, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then you, you go, and then you go around and you enter the town and it's really small and there's like two roads and like, okay, that's going to be interesting here. Like, but let's go, let's do it. You, so yeah, that's pretty cool. But I remember being really happy arriving. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, those long road trips get very tiring very fast. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're driving by yourself for like oh, yeah. weeks and now for two weeks. Well, that yeah. was cool though. I don't regret it. <laughs> so what's your, uh, what's your favorite part of the West Fjords? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, in what sense? Like landscape or? Yeah, landscape or like cold. Have you traveled much around Iceland? Actually, that's a fun thing. Like I've been here for one year, and the like most of the thing I've done is traveling from the east coast to here. But like I was just driving through because I was coming from the ferry, and then I I, spent, I did quite a few loop in the West Fjord, and then I went once with a car down to Reykjavik and the Reykjanes Peninsula. But that's it. I haven't seen much, so okay. I have still a lot to do. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just taking my time. There's no rush, and I know that I will see the other beautiful part. But for me, everything is beautiful. So yeah. I take my time. But my favorite part of the West Fjord? Hmm. I think it really depends with who you are. But I would say one day, one day we went down there, down at the south of the West Fjord to, oh, I can't pronounce the name, it's a lighthouse. It's called to, it's next to Bredavik. It's like a, light, a lighthouse at the very end of Bredavik. And there yeah. we, we've seen like the most beautiful uh, aurora I ever seen. And it was just like a whole night camping there, listening to music and looking at those aurora. It was, that was pretty cool. But it was just, I think it's just a good memory more than a good place because everywhere is super beautiful in the West Fjord. Yeah, man, that's such a cool, uh, cool memory. Like the Aurora is beautiful. Do you, yeah. do you see it in France? Nope. So, <laughs> no, so that was a new experience for you. Yeah. That, there was three things I wanted to experience in Iceland. Well, probably more, but what comes to my mind right now, it was Aurora, earthquake and volcanoes. And so, so far I got two of them. I'm just waiting for the volcano now, but it's, it might be coming, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if if things continue to go as they are, like, we might get something soon. Man, 2020 is full of surprises. <laughs> I'm just waiting for that to happen. And then I'll be just fully happy with that. Yeah, just shut down all European air travel again. <laughs> I mean, it's already shut down anyway. It's not going to do no harm. <laughs> oh, that's true. I didn't, I didn't even think of it when I said that. Yeah. <laughs> it would have to do something worse. In the spirit of 2020, it would have to do something worse. <laughs> yes. Can't wait for that. No matter what it is, I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, you're studying there at the university and uh, you're also surfing. What, so what is it like surfing with a wetsuit in, in Icelandic waters? Like that, I'm sure for most people, they're like, that is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fun because that's before moving, I was like, yeah, it's going to be freaking cold and, and it's going to be like, I don't know, like it's harsh environment, it's rocky, it's, uh, you got ice. You've got snow, snowstorm, it's windy, it's not the best condition to go surfing sometimes. But uh, yeah, actually, I think technology is amazing and all the wetsuit nowadays really keeps you warm, like, well. And uh, everyone could, like, honestly, everyone could go in the water now. It's nothing nothing crazy. What was crazy is the people that surfed before. Like, there are, there are people that have been surfing in Iceland for, like, 30 years. And those guys, they are mad because the first wetsuit, there was not that warm. And they were going in like the water, which is barely zero degree. And oh, damn, that, that was mad. No, nowadays, it's just, you know, you can access anywhere with the road. So it's not that hard to go to the surf line, to the, to the, to the coastline. And it's, uh, it's not that cold anymore. So it, it, looks, it looks adventurous. And you look at some surf movie, like show in Iceland, like, wow, those people are mad. But... Where they go is actually like you just reach with the road. It's just outside of town, and <laughs> and they have good wetsuit, and yeah, it's not that bad. So it's yeah. pretty cool. But you just have to see in uh, around Reykjavik, now there's loads of people surfing there. And we went down, uh, we went down there once to go surfing, and it was f- like full of people, and we're like, wow, like where they come from? There was even a surf school in the water. So yeah, it's pretty. I think it's pretty cool, honestly. It's just people get to know that with good wetsuit, good technology, people get to to explore more and to, to try new things. And I, I was really happy with that, with that surf school to see it was like only Icelandic people trying to surf and I was really happy with that. I was like, yeah, damn, get into it. Like you got beautiful coastline, beautiful waves, just exploit them. Otherwise yeah. you're just gonna be invaded with people like from everywhere in the world trying to, to steal them. So come on, make yourself at home. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. I didn't know, so they did that here in Reykjavik. Yeah, it was in uh, Sendavik. Huh, cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, so living living in Iceland, um, tell me a little bit about some of the unique experiences you've had in Isvild. Uh Is it a little bit colder than you're used to in France? Well, I was, I was expecting the, the climate to be super cold here. when I, Like, you know, you see pictures of Iceland full of snow and windy and like harsh weather. And it doesn't really get cold here. It gets like, I think the worst we had was minus 10 or minus 12 during the winter. Mm-hmm. So the temperature was not the, the problem. Like you get a couple layer and you, you're good. But the wind, the wind, like for during winter, it was maybe three three months of uninterrupted blizzard and wind. And I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I think that was, that was something I was not prepared. And the I come from there, yeah, the valley in France where I come from is pretty windy. But this is nothing compared to what we experienced this winter. That, that was that was harsh. I think yeah. So this is this is the the main issue for not issue, but the main uh, the main thing that struck me when I when I came here. It was not the coldness or even the snow because there we had a lot of snow. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's Iceland. It's normal to normal to have snow. But yeah, that wind. I was not ready for that. The the wind can be pretty debilitating uh, when you're trying to. I mean, yeah, during the winter, it just blows that cold into everything and it drifts the snow. And I mean, it causes avalanches uh, like what happened in Flatere. Uh, yeah. Wind can be a huge factor here in Iceland. 
Yeah, and especially when you have a, a door in your house that is not closing properly. Like I, I had a door in my in my room actually. I have a balcony, and well, now it's changed, so it's better. But during the whole winter, it was not closing properly. So every time the the wind was blowing from the south, it was getting like the same temperature as as outside. Uh, it was pretty cold in my room. Uh, yeah, that was. That was quite, yeah, that was intense sometimes. Like, you wake up in the morning, it's just like zero in your room. You're like, I can't get out of the blanket. Like, I'm just going to freeze to death. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. Yeah. Luckily, the wind was coming from the north mainly. But when it was coming from the south, damn. <laughs> I knew I would have a rough night. Yeah, yeah. Have you found any similarities between, like, French and Icelandic? Is it uh, easy for you? Is it difficult? What, what's kind of been your experience with learning Icelandic? Um, there's no similarities at all between <laughs> French and Icelandic. Like, there's nothing to be compared. Um, I, I, like, when I came here, I really wanted to learn it. Um, I, was, I was getting, like, some, like, apps on the phone to try to learn it. But I found it so hard to get my hand around how to pronounce thing. And when people were pronouncing words, I, I could not picture them in my mind. So it was, yeah, it was pretty hard for me. And uh, I, I kind of stopped learning it because everyone speaks English anyway. And I, I, I did rely on that. And I'm, I'm not really happy with that, actually, because I, I really wanted to, I don't like coming in a country and just assuming anyone is going to speak to you in English. First, because it's not true in France. And, <laughs> and so why would I expect that from anyone else, you know, if we don't even do this back home? And uh, also, I just think it's rude not to learn it. But that's what I did. So, yeah, I'm not really proud of that. But I really couldn't get my head around how to pronounce and to understand, like, the word when people were pronouncing them. So it, it took me a while. But now this summer, I'm working at the at the Met Office in Isafjordur. And, uh, and now that I hear, like, more Icelanders talking, and, yeah, I really feel like I have to learn and know I have the the ability to understand how the the words are formed or how to pronounce them. So I'm going to give it another shot because, no, I think I have all the, the cards in hand to, to learn it, or at least a little bit. I, I don't expect to be fluent, but just, you know, go to groceries and say something or order be at the bar in Icelandic. That would be quite cool. <laughs> the only yeah. thing I know in Icelandic right now is to order my pizza with the same topping. So... <laughs> <laughs> pretty handy if you go to the to the pizza place but that's it <laughs> yeah do you uh, how many languages do you know uh french uh of course uh <laughs> try to learn english <laughs> my english is okay i guess and that's it i learned italian too for seven years but i can't speak a word uh and i would love to learn spanish i tried a lot but never really worked neither i guess i'm not a language person it took me a while to learn english honestly <laughs> Really? Uh, I, uh, I, was, I was awful before I went to Swansea and I came back and it was still not great. And then I came here, I was like, I really need to learn English. And I, feel st I still feel that I'm not really good. So. But I'm I, getting there. Yeah, I, I think you're great. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned France really doesn't like to speak to everybody in English. Um, what do you mean by that? Are there a lot of people who don't know English or do they just prefer not to? Uh, what is kind of the culture there in France? I think it's more like if you compare to other places in Europe, um, it's not it's not very true. No, with the younger generation or my generation, the one above and the one coming, we learn more English, and I think most of us are capable of just saying like some sentences and helping people out in English now. 
But the the older generation, like no, none of them speaks English, and so it, it might be hard for like some tourists, or especially it depends where you are. I know in Paris there's this reputation of not people not like willing to speak English and not <laughs> helping people, you know. But yeah, it's I think no, it's really important to learn English anyway. So everyone should be able to at least be able to have a basic conversation. And when you go to Germany. Uh, and like it's just striking you go to Germany or Denmark or even Iceland and you start speaking English to people and people just answer you and and they can do like a whole like if you if you one friend that don't speak German for example and you go there everyone's going to speak English to you and the whole party or the whole evening is going to be in, in English and they can do that and I, I'm not sure they can do, like we can do that in French so yeah interesting that's the thing but uh, honestly it's getting there it's, it's getting better yeah but yeah we still are Behind. <laughs> behind, 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 behind. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a balance because I really, like you were saying, um, it's rude not to learn the local language. Like I think it's, um, it's really polite to show that you're trying to learn the language um, yep. and trying to assimilate to the culture a little bit, and um, I think that's great. And then there's also the fact that English is the universal language. It's kind of become the universal language. And so it's really nice when we're able to communicate even across cultures. Um, so I think, there's, I think there's a good balance. It, we talk about that a lot here in Iceland. You know, there's what, 375,000 um, citizens. Will the language ever die out? You know, because that's, it's such a small country. Um, but I think people are doing a great job of keeping it alive. You know, people at work, they all talk Icelandic. Um, and I think that's fantastic. I, I think it's really important to keep that local language because that's part of your culture. Um, some of the words you have, some of the way the grammar is set up. So I've seen that in Wales, actually. Like, Welsh language is, like, was almost dead. It's actually, re, re, like, getting better. But they, I think the generation of our parents, they, in Wales, they try to, like, the I don't know if it's a government or whatever, but they try to kill the Welsh language by putting everything in English. And, and so some of the, of the like, what, there was one generation that didn't really learn Welsh. And so the, the language was dying out. And luckily, like, it, it got back and now there's, like, school in Welsh and, and younger speaks French, uh, speaks uh, Welsh. And, uh, yeah, but this, there's, like, I think there's one third of the Welsh that speaks Welsh, no, or something like that. It's not that much. I think it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's sad to see that a language, a whole because language is a whole culture, you know, and it's just disappearing yeah. like this because, well, it's easier to speak English or any language. And I think that was really sad, and it's really striking when you when you're in the south of Wales. It's the most uh, English. Like the the further up north you go, the more Welsh you have. So in the south you have like the signs are written in English, and yet then you have a translation in Welsh. But if you go higher up in the north, then you have everything in Welsh, and the and it's translated in English. So that's that's what's fun. Well, not fun, but it was like I think they really tried to kill it at some point, and uh, but then there was a rebirth of it, and and younger generations started to talk about it, to talk it, not to speak it. <laughs> wow, that was hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, younger generation tried to to speak it more and to make it uh, came back to life, and it's, it it did work. And there's like school like fully in Welsh now. And when you go to the pub, you can hear people speaking Welsh, and I think it's it's really cool. Like I really That's like awesome. it. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, to wrap up, uh, if I was to ever visit France, what are some of the best travel destinations to visit? Well, it depends what you like, I guess. We got to, that's something cool about France. We got a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. If you wanna, and um, yeah, if you wanna go to the to the beach, 
we have like beautiful coastline. If you want to go to the mountain, we have really cool mountain. If you want to go just to the countryside and see nothing but fields, you can go there. We got cool forests. We got we got a little bit of everything. And there's those, uh, you know, those fun uh, top destination in France, uh, like in uh, on the internet you can look for. It's like places in France, but where it doesn't feel like you're in France, and you have like landscape that looks like Colorado and then you have a landscape that looks like uh, a desert and then you have a landscape that looks like Vietnam or something like that it's like wow like you can really travel far just staying in France it's, it's that's crazy cool, yeah now we have we have beautiful places and it just just depends what you're looking for yeah what are some of your favorite travel hacks whenever you're traveling um that's a cool one I would say I, I haven't traveled that much, honestly. I've been, uh, well, well, when I was younger, we, we used to travel mainly in France with my parents, but we did a couple of tri trip. Uh, one of them was in Ireland. I think that was the one that really struck me. And mm -hmm. we're just, you know, taking a car and, and going all around the island. And I really enjoyed it, but it was all planned. You know, we knew where we were sleeping when you we didn't knew what we were eating but it was almost like it you know it was just like you you have every day you have a different step and you know where you're going to be at the end and i really liked it i think it's easier when you travel with children but uh then when i get older when i get like 18 i i, I had a car so i just took my car and started like traveling around europe just driving there and we just, you know, we had one destination, for example, it was Greece, one of them. And we were just like, okay, we're just going to drive there and see what's up. And we just travel along the way. Don't take the highway, get lost, and don't plan That's where you're going to sleep. And Yeah, I think that makes it way different, way more. You learn more. You have, like, better story to tell. Because if you, if you plan everything, then it's not that you're not going to see anything. It's great. I and mean, you can, like, it's, it's sometimes good to know where you're going to sleep. But you also... It's good to have the unknown, you know, like when we were doing those road trip with my friend across Europe, like one day we just picked up, it was like 7 p.m. We we're looking for a place to sleep and we just picked up like two hitchhikers like and they were from Croatia. And we're, yeah, we're going to the, the biggest party in Croatia. Like, you want to come with us? And we just ended up in that massive party on the beach. We we're like, uh, I don't even remember the end of the evening, to be honest. But it was uh, what I remember that I lost my phone in the ocean and I don't even know how I get back to the car. But, you know, like this, if you, if you plan everything, like if you would have planned to sleep in that town, instead of driving outside to find a spot like to sleep because we didn't know where to sleep then we would have never pick up those guys and all those like good stories they cannot they usually came when it's unplanned so that's what i would say my my be best travel hack is don't plan just go with the flow yeah that's awesome and don't take the highway <laughs> <laughs> don't plan and don't take the highway it's true yeah. though i mean so many cool experiences happen from that yeah you, you should know that uh, the don't take the highway a tip is not really useful in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have like a four by four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, very true. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end with the rapid fire fact session. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and end with the rapid fire fact section. What if I blank out? <laughs> Uh, unacceptable, then you're out. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> you're the first person to ask that question. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Okay, do you prefer Apple or Android? Uh, Android. Do you prefer group or solo travel? 
solo travel meeting groups <laughs> along the way. I love it. Yeah. Um, do you like to take the train or the bus? Um, bus, I would say. But I don't take the train that much, honestly. So. Really? Yeah. Do, do you prefer beaches or cities? Beaches, but just because uh, I don't like cities that much. I used to really not like cities. And some people show me the beauty of some cities. I was like, oh, maybe there, there's actually things to see in the cities, but I just get tired after one or two days in there. So beach, just because it's more natural. Yeah. What is, the, uh, what is your favorite city that you visited? Budapest. I fucking love Budapest. Such a good place. Uh, yeah, I really don't like cities, but Budapest is amazing. It's, yeah. I have if yet young, to visit there. Yeah, if you're young and want to have a, a good holidays during summer, it's, it's mad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite airline that you've flown with? No, not really. If you could but actually, I, I, sh I should say that Iceland is pretty decent, though. <laughs> like, yeah, Iceland Air. Yeah. Yeah, but I agree. I'm doing as much as I can to not take the, to not fly. So yeah, that's why I took the ferry here to come here. But oh, I guess you, you, you can't you can't avoid taking flight sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's just more efficient. But yeah, uh, yeah, the ferry. I mean, it's an amazing experience as well. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live permanently? Hmm, permanently. Well. <sighs> Anywhere that I feel part of a group, I would say. You feel at so, home. Yeah, but if you if you want for, if you want the place, I would I could be anywhere in France or in South America. Or I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, Europe is pretty decent though to live. Uh, I can, I reckon. I like it. Basically, it's it's not as much about the location as the atmosphere that you live in. Yeah, if you if you feel good there then this is where you should live That's i like I it yeah all right and then my last question which we'll close out with what makes travel worth living to you and this is when i blank out <laughs> <laughs> no why why is uh why is travel important why why do you think it's important that people travel um because you know, some people, I mean, I have grown up with people or I have met people who have never left their state or they've never even left the city that they were born in. Um, and I, yeah, why do you think it's important to get out and travel? Well, first, uh, I should say that we are very lucky to be able to, tra to, be able to travel like, because we have, um, well, for me and my parents, made me travel when I was younger. Not necessarily far, but just some people never travel, you know, they don't have the time or the money or whatever. So I think we're, we're really lucky to be able to travel and to see all those places. And yeah, it, it, it brings you something, you know, like the thing I was saying earlier, like you need to step out a little bit of, step away from your country to see what is actually cool about it and what is not, because otherwise it's hard to compare and to, to make you, like it's, you can't just use other people point of view on the country or to to make your own you, you need to see it by yourself and to see all the culture and other like di cultural differences to appreciate them more i think so yeah i think traveling is really important for that for just appreciating what you have and discovering other things and changing your point of view on some things that's very important and meeting people <laughs> definitely meeting new people it's super cool to travel 
and traveling solo is cool, but it's even better to have people to share the experience with, because otherwise, like you can just tell your story, but it's not the same if you don't share them with people. So meeting people along the road, even if you, that's the thing, even if you travel solo, just meet people on the road and share experience it, experiences with them. That's the most important, I think. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining in on our conversation today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at Travel Worth Living or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join us again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.